What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Barking for Balance, the podcast where we talk about dogs, but we also talk about whatever it is that is meant to teach, inspire, and entertain. And let me tell you guys, this is all inspiration by far. I have a special guest here that, and her last name is actually really cool because it pertains. I met this woman and we had a conversation for an hour, just, just like we knew each other for like a hundred years, which I am that old at this point. So at least I feel that way, but that's besides the point. We're going to go into a bunch of different things with her. I think this woman is the greatest. She is inspirational. She is an author. She's written two books. She has a podcast called the, called the Femininja Project, which she's going to talk about. And she also runs or ran a uh, dog rescue specifically for Italian greyhounds. And me being a full-blown Italian, you know how, how de dear that is to my heart. So I may not be speaking too much Sicilian. I'll try to throw a couple of words in there here or there. But here we are, Cheryl, I love welcome to Barking for Balance. What's going on? Well, thank you so much, Pat, for having me. I have been looking forward to this for a very long time. Oh, let me tell you something. So let me preface also that I was the guest on her podcast just a few weeks ago, and we had a blast. This woman is intoxicating from her energy standpoint. And I just want to start off right off the bat. Let's talk about books. You have written two books. Tell me about these books. Okay, so my first book is titled Forever Fit and Flexible, Feeling Fabulous at 50 and Beyond. And of course, it's like, okay, another book about fitness. But it's really not. It's more about mindset. It's about attitude. It's about not letting anybody put labels on you, like society, the health experts, the fitness experts. Stubborn it's men. Like, well, okay, yeah, maybe <laughs> some of them too, but nobody, um, you know, really has the right to do that to you. But we hear these messages all the time that we're getting older, we're, you know, slowing down, and we're supposed to have aches and pains, and so we're if supposed somebody to. Somebody would have throw that at you. What would you say, and how would you deal with it? I'd say if that's what you believe. And you can curse then... on this platform, by the way, so knock yourself out. <laughs> well, I just, oh, I, I'll try not to. Though. No, no, curse away, goddamn it. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Explicit. Well, my, the people want to hear the real words. Come on now. <laughs> well, I would tell them that they were, um, you know, full of crap. And if, yeah, some, yeah. Come on, Cheryl. Come okay. On. Bring the I horns really, out. Let's go. I know I look like a lady and I can sometimes act like a lady, but I can also cuss like a, you know, drunken yes, sailor. But let me just preface also that she is a ninja, guys. She is a ninja. She's got like swords. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can see the swords behind her. She's a ninja. So this lady, you got to be a little intimidated by. So throw those curse words out there. A man tells you, you can't do that. Watch me. That's it. Really? Well, I have no got to tell you this. Their balls off, no kick them in the groin, none of that stuff. Oh gosh, kicking in the groin—that's my favorite move. That's my <laughs> signature move. Hello. Okay, so let me tell you the very first. This is the long story of how I got into the dojo. It's a very, very long story, but I'll just cut to the chase. My um, teacher, my sensei, was actually my acupuncturist long before he became my teacher. It took him three years to get me on the mat to train with him because he thought, you know, he loved my legs. And he says, with my legs, mine, not his. And his coaching, he could teach me how to kill with them. Was that a pickup line, though? I'm not really sure. I like it your might legs. Been... I don't know. I mean, come on now. He didn't say he liked them. He said he could teach me how to kill with them. So he didn't say, you know, hey, you got great legs. I love your legs. Oh. It's like these are weapons. Okay. So, you know, I could, for three years, I kept saying, no, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And he just really, really wanted me to train with him. And there is a specific reason why it is in the book, that book, the ninja book. Mm -hmm the one that just came out. But I finally, it took three years, I said, okay, I will just to shut you up. I will come and watch a class just to show you how this is not gonna ever happen. So I went to a class to watch. And of course I was horrified. And it was like, this is never gonna happen. He goes, oh, come on, just get on the This was a mat. generic martial arts class. Well, it, not generic, it's Nimpo Taijutsu. Oh, uh, so which it was a ninja class, okay. 
Yeah, it was a ninja class. Yeah, and of course, there's no women around, no women in sight, although he told me he did have a lot of female students. Well, either none of them decided to show up that day, or he was maybe exaggerating, and it was more like he was exaggerating. Pickup line, okay. Okay, another pickup line. (laughs) I mean, I was just running for the door, and before I got to the door, I heard this really loud, obnoxious voice behind me say, do you know what usually happens to timid little ladies like you? And I stopped and I turned around and there was nobody behind me. So I figured this person is talking to me. He called me timid, little, and a lady all in the same sentence. Well, the third one wasn't exactly a, uh, uh, an insult, was it? That was a compliment. Mm. He could have called you a chick or a dame or something. Well, timid little and a lady. Whew. I mean, Fair enough. I'm sure there are women out here that are listening to this going, yeah, I can kind of see that. Fair enough. So, you know, big, he's a huge, hairy fella. And I just put my hand on, on my hip and I just looked at him and I said, what? He said, after a few weeks in here, you turn into sadistic little killing machines with eyeballs flying across the dojo and crushing testicles. And I thought. Sounds like a butcher shop. And I went like this and I could see my sensei in the background just beaming. And I said, maybe I can do this. So I signed up right there on the spot just to take a few classes again to prove to him how much I was going to hate it. But um, 10 years later, I did become his first female black belt. So that yeah, but is did my you beat claim. the shit out of that guy. I did not. And I never did. Although I did kind of beat the shit out of him um, more with my. Um, with your mind. Yes, my verbal jujitsu and my mind games and stuff, which is really funny. What makes it even more interesting is that this guy was a psychiatrist. Oh. And to this day, although I haven't seen him in a couple of years, but to this day, he still credits himself for getting me on the mat in the first place. And he also says that that what he said to me was the most brilliant three minutes of psychology that he ever did in his entire practice, which is really kind of cool and kind of sad at the same time. If that's yeah. the best you know he could do. That's a little but weird. It got me on the mat. So yeah. And from that moment on, I mean, well, it wasn't really that moment, but it didn't take long before the groin kick became my signature move. Because especially as a ballet dancer, I've got some pretty strong feet and toes. And when ballet is actually your- a great thing for martial arts. I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme did uh, did ballet for years. Yep. yep. So although it took a while to get out of that ballet posture, which doesn't really work with martial arts because you have to get the center of gravity low and they just kept saying, you know, bend your knees and, you know, move like this. And it's like, that's not pretty. It just didn't look pretty. But after I was able to take a few people, men down, it didn't matter that it wasn't pretty because I felt pretty sexy when I was okay, able to do it okay. yeah. and do it guys. If you guys are listening, she is married. So slow it down. All right. Just letting it. Well, and I am, um, I am of a certain age as well. We're not going to get into that. Okay. Thanks. All right. There you go. So that's part of like the whole, why you wrote the book, I'm assuming forever fit and fabulous at whatever age. Exactly. Exactly. And of course I was, um, a martial artist at the time that I was writing that book and I actually incorporated my personal experience as a chronic pain patient when I was in my mid thirties, being told that I would never recover from this chronic pain syndrome. Um, I was always going to be, you know, I would have to live with pain for the rest of my life. And that was just, you know, I was never going to get any better. And, um, you know, I would never have the life that I wanted or had before. So, you know, forget about it. And, And then I was told I would never be able to do my laundry and my grocery shopping all in the same day because the arthritis in my spine was so severe, I would end up being bedridden. Wow. And I'm kind of like looking as this doctor is telling me this. And it was like, you know, it wasn't really computing. I mean, I was hearing her words, but they weren't it, like it, it, it. I couldn't digest it. It just didn't make sense. And I just looked at her really strange. And I said, well, I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she actually laughed in my face and said, no, I said, you don't understand. I'm planning on going back to ballet class. And she said, no, no, you don't understand. 
you are a chronic pain patient. You will always be a chronic pain patient. And you can't do ballet. I mean, even if you could, if you, even if you weren't so injured, you're too old. And she knew I was planning on trying to get into physical therapy school. And she said, you know, forget about physical therapy school because you're too broken. You could never do the work because they don't call it physical for no reason. And she said, you couldn't do it. And even if you could, you are way too old to go to PT school. And I was 36. So what, oh my God. So would you say like this whole forever fit concept has much more to do with mental as opposed to physical? Yes. Right. Absolutely. But the physical aspect of it, of it is, you know, to stop focusing on trying to get that perfect body or sculpt that perfect body or go to the gym three times a week. And I don't want to offend anybody, but you know, I'm not swearing, but I don't want to offend anybody, but Fucking you a, know, come on, start swearing. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I swear on this that, 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 that goddamn thing. You're making me look bad. But, you know, you could go, especially after you get to a certain age, you could go to the gym three times a week and have 20 year old Tiffany or Brad at the health club, you know, trying to help get you into shape by using a lot of heavy weights and ripping your joints. And they really don't understand what a maturing body really needs. Notice I didn't say aging, a maturing body. So in the book, you know, it is mindset more than anything else and not listening to the experts uh, and, and not letting anybody put those labels on you trying to egg you out here but you're not you get taking the bait i know i know i'm a ninja i just kind of evade uh-huh. deflect uh-huh. and redirect um but so it's it's just learning how to move uh lubricate your joints how to be able to um strengthen and 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 sculpt your muscles in a way that's really gentle mindful highly effective i combine the um principles of dance Martial arts, Pilates, and Feldenkrais. Four and, movement and what arts. Was the last one? Feldenkrais. Oh, sounds like a religion. I know. It's a very unfortunate um, name, but it's actually the last name of the gentleman who developed this, this technique or this method of movement. It's a highly sophisticated form of neuromuscular reeducation based huh? on the scientific principle of neuroplasticity, which just means that our bodies, our mind, our spirit, um, you know, cognitively, mentally, emotionally, physically can change during the entire course of our lifetime by approaching it in a very gentle, slow, mindful manner. That's beautiful. I just want to point out one thing that did I tell you guys that she was awesome or what? Jesus Christ, come on now. <laughs> and I also want to remember, re- you know, in case anybody didn't notice, I usually mention, you know, all those the subscriptions and all that crap. I usually mention the beginning, but you know what? I had to introduce her because I wanted to kick her off, but let me throw that in now. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast because she's going to be throwing out her links towards the end. So you got to subscribe to all her stuff and get her books and listen to her. But in the meantime, subscribe to Barking for Balance. This is the kind of people I bring to you guys. Subscribe to Barking for Balance on all the platforms and make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to us on on, on, uh, YouTube as well. And don't forget your autobiography, the greatest thing, God spelled backwards, Cheryl read it. So she knows it's great. She actually was the person that found it before I even knew that it was for sale. She told me about it before I even know that it was available. So this is the kind of bond that her and I have. And so Oh, I had to throw that out there. I just wanted to, you know, I have to say this, Pat, that was a beautiful moment because as we were doing the recording for my show, the Femininja project, and I just says, oh yes, I bought your book. And the look on your face was priceless. We weren't recording. You, I don't think yet. Were we? I thought, no, we weren't recording. Damn. That was see. Okay. I cussed. Um, that was That's an opportunity. Curse, missed. Really? Well, okay. I was just clearing You're my from throat. Colorado for sure. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm from, I'm from Western Pennsylvania. Yeah, but you lost it since you've been in Colorado. Got to get some of that oh, cursing this back. <laughs> yeah, I, but, I, I, I'm pretty sure yeah. we didn't record it, but if that no, would have been recorded, right. it would have been great. I know, but it was really funny because you looked at me and said, well, how did you get it? And I said, well, I bought it. And you said, well, where'd you buy it? <laughs> On Amazon. And you said, it's up. So that was a beautiful moment. Yep. Yeah, I still remember it. I still, yeah. I'm never going to forget that one. I still remember the, you were the first person. I still remember the first person to buy it. Oh, wait, you were, you had, you didn't buy it yet. You had it in your cart. I don't think you were the first person to buy it. Maybe you were. I don't remember that either. Now. I think I, I was, I think I was. And I then I thought, were. 
And then after I read it, I thought, oh, good. I, I, I read it. it, took me a few days, but I thought, oh, good. Now I have to go back on Amazon and I have got to leave and a five-star review and write a great review because I love the book. Oh, I got to see I thought, what you wrote. I didn't even see that. Oh, you should see. Yes, it's very nice. So anyhow, I did go on and I thought, I wonder if I'll be the first person to write a review. And I thought, dang, nabbit, I wasn't. But I was very impressed by how many people had already been there and written you a five-star review. So oh, really? kudos to on you. Amazon? Oh, yeah. Don't you ever oh. go and check your page? I have not, no. Uh, you might want to try that. I'm a little behind. Yeah, I got to catch up with that stuff. Definitely. Well, I understand. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But talking about your new book. Oh. So, so the first book was about you know, how to get fit and, you know, mentally healthy, you know, getting rid of the labels, which we're going to talk about into a second about labels and mm -hmm. uh, people putting limitations on you. And, you know, obviously this is going to pertain to you having your rescue with, uh, with Italian greyhounds and just dogs in general, which, you know, you know, that is a very sensitive topic with me putting labels on, on dogs and on people and, and limitations on both, mm -hmm. but your other book, your new book, mm -hmm. let's talk about that. That is actually your life now, correct? Kind of, um, because, you know, I do still go to the dojo um, at least three days a week. I, so I still am training. And, uh, you know, it's such an important part of my life. And then, of course, the whole Femininja came from my background in martial arts. And, of course, I started my training in martial arts at the tender young age of 47, which raised a lot of eyebrows in the first place, because there I was, a middle-aged princess, you know, trotting off to ballet class and to Pilates and getting my manicures and pedicures and all that soft, beautiful, feminine, you know, delicate, girly stuff. <laughs> so I was the last person on earth that anybody would have ever expected to study a martial art. Uh, so I surprised everybody when I did finally sign up for classes, including myself. I mean, I shocked the hell out of myself because yeah. it's like, really, do you really want to do this? I mean, this is crazy, but um, I did. I, you know, I signed up for classes and I knew I was going to hate it. Um, but I was, this was kind of like, I don't want to say therapy, but my teacher who had been at that point, my acupuncturist for three years was convinced that studying martial arts, especially with him and his style of martial arts would help me cr uh, recover from a very traumatic event that I had experienced right before I had met him. And again, I'm like, I don't understand how hanging out in a smelly dojo with a bunch of sweaty men is going to help me heal from something that was very traumatic. But, you know, that's again, what you thought. that's exactly what I thought. Okay. He thought different and he kept, he would, he would talk to me about the art until I would just, oh, you know, <laughs> shut up already. Just put the needles in, get the hell out of the room. Let me rest. Let me have some peace and quiet. Let the needles do their work, then come back in, take them out. Shut up. Don't talk anymore about this martial arts stuff and let me go home. But, you know, he would always just talk about this art, this art and how wonderful it was and how much it would help me and blah, 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 blah. So, um, he's yeah, right. he's, he was right. And he kept, he would also then start talking about, he says, there is such an incredible healing power in martial arts. And again, I'm thinking, you know, there is nothing that can heal me at this point, unless I can take a baseball bat to somebody's head. And I was like, well, maybe I should try this martial arts stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and we don't take baseball bats to people's heads, but we do play, as you can see, if people are watching this. Um, I'm Sicilian, video. so the whole baseball bat to somebody's head is not unfamiliar to me. <laughs> <laughs> you could probably give me no some pointers. comment on that. Let me delete that part. <laughs> yeah, you could probably give me some pointers on that. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know nothing. <laughs> so anyhow, that um, yeah, it did not it did not happen overnight. And my goal was just to take a few classes, check, get rid of this pesky PT, uh, PTSD, check, get on with my life, check. check, and get out of there because I was not in this for the long haul. Yeah, I didn't want a black belt. I didn't want a yellow belt. I didn't even want a white belt. You didn't want a belt at all. You wanted just to be free. I did. I yeah. just wanted to be free and to be me. But, you know, I had to buy a uniform and the white belt came with the uniform. So, you know, there was my white belt. But um, you should have rebelled you know, and like put it around your neck like a tie or something. <laughs> well, you know what I did do because I didn't know how to tie it. And actually, the first 
class that I took, there was one woman in class and Mark, my teacher had told me that we were going to be great friends um, because, you know, she was also a dancer mm. and she had just tested for her yellow belt. And she says, oh, she's a dancer. The two of you are going to be great friends. I just know it. And I'm going, wow, I'm not in this to make friends. I have enough friends. And most of them were dancers, but none of them were a dancing ninja. So that would be different. So I thought, well, okay, you know, maybe this will work out. So I think her name was Trish or Trisha, something like that. So the very first day, That's you know, I'm, it is short for, for Pat. <laughs> so the very first day, I'm so nervous, you know, and I'm going in with my gi and the stupid belt and everything. And one of the guys pointed me to the ladies' dressing room. So I go to the ladies' dressing room, and this Trisha lady was there. She was about my age, maybe a little bit younger. And I said, oh, hi, you know, you must be Trisha. Mark told me about you. My name is Cheryl. It's nice to meet you. And so, you know, I extended my hand. She looked down at my hand and walked out of the room. I'm like, maybe we won't be friends. You don't shake hands, you bow. Well, I, she wasn't into doing any of that stuff. Oh. Few minutes, so then so she was just a snobby bitch then, huh? She was a raging bitch. Okay. So there I go. You got me there. I'm going to so get you. Don't worry. We're going to get a couple more out of you. I'm trying to figure out how to use this gi. There's strings everywhere and all this stuff. And you have to wrap it a certain way. And, and, and so then you were the like belt. a marionette at one point, I'm assuming, right? It was horrible. I almost, yeah, I was in deep trouble because <laughs> I was like really tangled up with this thing. She comes back in the dressing room and I try it again. I says, you know, would you please help me with this thing? I've, uh, this is my first class. I don't know how this works. And she goes, don't look at me. I don't even know how to tie my own. But yet she was dressed and ready for class. So it's uh -huh. like, okay, I was on my own. So I managed to get the gi on and then trying to tie the belt. You know, I didn't think of doing it like a, a necktie, but that would have worked too. Strangle that bitch with the belt in the meantime. <laughs> I actually wanted to beat her with it, but I didn't. So anyhow, I took the belt and I just wrapped it around and I just tied it like at an angle. So it was like the, the straps hung down like- You're Trying to go a little stylish hip. there. It's very stylish and it, it looked kind of like the skirts that I would wear in ballet class and it swished a little bit when I walked. So it, it was just a rakish, um, a, a little rakish twist to an otherwise very boring, boring uniform. And Sexy. so then it was, I thought so. Yeah. And I walked out and was ready to do battle and learn a little bit about how to be a ninja. Now, did you key that bitch's car though? I did not. Come on. Even if I did, do you think I would admit it? That's no. fair enough. Let's move on from no. that. So, <laughs> so and, and basically after I showed up, she, you know, I saw her a few times and then she disappeared. Okay. Okay. You know, it's funny, you, you, you know, you're, you're into like this martial art mind, physical health. I mean, your, your energy is amazing. You run, you used to, I'm sorry, used to run a rescue. And I really want to get into this because the fact that you were involved in it. I don't want to go, go into specifics about rescue. I know too much, too many stories and too much stuff about mm -hmm, the whole rescue mm -hmm. world. And it's just, you know, it's very, um, it's not even sad anymore. It's just very angrily, angry and frustrating. Mm -hmm. But so we don't have to talk about anything specific. Let's just talk about dogs in general and, you know, the rescue world when it comes to specifically, you know, Italian greyhounds, because Italian greyhounds are a rarity. There's, they're not very popular. I've worked with a handful. I actually have a current client that uh that just got a a, gray, a greyhound she got, actually got him from breeder uh which i was really annoyed about because when she told me about it i said you should have told me i have somebody who's got a contact with uh who i i, I have a contact who works with with italian greyhounds she i could have gotten you in her in you know put you in her hands and she could have gotten you one because a lot of people don't believe that they can get like such a pure breed from a mm -hmm. rescue um, and they have mm -hmm. to spend, you know, God only knows how many thousands of dollars to get this guy. And of course he came with some, some defects because the breeder was not uh, a great one, but that's a whole other topic. But let's talk about Italian Greyhound specifically, because you clearly, you know, you, you have them, you know, you, you just sent me pictures in a video of a new, 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 new addition to the family gray, Italian yeah. Greyhound that you just got. Let's talk Greyhounds here. Oh, I just love Italian Greyhounds. And like many things, like almost everything in my life, I fell into the breed. I didn't go looking for them. Uh, they came looking for me. And it is that happened... how you got into the rescue of the greyhounds? Kind of. 
Yeah, that I kind of fell into that as well. It's, I'll tell you how I got into that. But um, I was working three to 11 shift. At, I was a respiratory therapist at the time. My husband and I were living in a townhouse, townhouse complex. And, um, you know, he went out one morning. I was still asleep because, you know, I worked uh, evening shift. And he went out and found one of my neighbors and her dog looking at her, like looking at the ground in the parking lot. And he's like, hey, Ruth, what are you doing? And she says, well, I found something. I'm not sure what it is. I think it's a dog or a puppy, but I don't know. And of course her dog tails wagging and stuff. And this little thing was curled up against like the tire of her SUV screaming and crying. And so, you know, she, you know, she picked it up and said, I have no idea what it is, but we lived right um, just a few blocks from, it's called the Dumb Friends League, which is basically the Humane Society, the Denver Dumb Friends League. Okay. I don't really approve of the name, but because they're not dumb, they're, you know, animals. So she says, I was going to take oh, it. Oh, that's but, you not know, the official name. That's just a made up name. No, it's the official name, the Dumb oh. Friends League. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's stuck. So, so anyhow, you know, Ruth said she couldn't take it and he says, oh, well, I'll take it, but you know, I'm going to take it home to Cheryl first, you know, walk across the street, take it back and show me. So in the meantime, he brings it into the, the townhouse and we had a normal, we were normal people with one black lab mix. And my black lab was just going nuts. So excited because, you know, she had a new toy. So she comes tearing <laughs> up the yeah, tearing up the stairs, you know, to get me out of bed. I'm getting out of bed and I could hear my husband coming up the stairs and he says, Jesse's trying to tell you something. I'm like, oh God, it's too early for this game. And I said, what's she trying to tell me? Je uh, Aunt Ruth gave her a toy, a new toy, but she has to give it back. And I'm like, okay, what's the toy? Oh, no. And my husband's six foot four. Okay. He comes around the corner holding this itty bitty teeny weeny Italian greyhound pup, uh, puppy. And he says, we don't know what it is. We think it's some kind of a mute, mutant chihuahua with long legs because the eyes were like really big and these ears and he's looking around and I just fell apart. I just screamed and squealed. And my husband put him on the floor and so this is in now the spare bedroom and the, the puppy's looking at me, I'm sitting on the bed and he couldn't jump up on the bed. So he backs up and he looks and he saw my dance bag right next to the bed. And the dog was so smart. He hopped on the dance bag and onto the bed and just ran toward me. So I'm just, oh, no, no baby. And Mike said, picked him up, put him back on the floor. Dog does the same thing. So he did it like three times. The third time he did it, my husband said, oh, he likes you. And uh -oh. I said, and you have no idea what's going on here, oh, do you? Boy. So he did take it to the Dumb Friends League just to find out what it was. But he had strict instructions to bring the dog back home because okay. I was already in love. Okay. So he came back and he said, they said that um, he's an Italian greyhound puppy. It's a very rare breed. They're very expensive. They knew they could find him a home. And I says, this dog's got a home. Damn right. So that same weekend, he had a petite mal seizure. Do you know what that is? Mm -hmm. So there's the grand mal seizures, you know, people with epilepsy and dogs can have it too. And this was just very slight, but you could see it in his eyes. And, and of course, both my husband and I are medical people. And it was like, we knew it was a seizure. So we took him into the vet on Monday. This was a weekend. And our vet said, you know, a seizure disorder in a dog this young, it's, is a very bad sign. He is not going to live and he won't survive puppyhood. So I, of course, burst into tears. More labels, more limitations. It gets better. Mm -hmm. So he's, I burst into tears and I said, okay, he's not going to have a long life, but he's going to have a great life. So we took him back home, spoiled him rotten, and he lived to be 18. Wow. And that was my first Italian greyhound. His name was Topo Ciccio. That's an Italian word, guys. Just it's so actually you a cartoon know. character. It's like a Mickey well, Mouse, Italian Mickey Mouse. It was um, the Ed Sullivan show before your time, I think. And he well, had Topo a little was a character in Italy. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, they stole that Gigi. from Italy. Oh, well, all good things come out of Italy. No comment. Well, okay. But, there, so, but here um, I am. So you got a good point. 
there you go. <laughs> so then we had There's our not a lot black- of Italian talk today, but still. There's a little bit of Italian talk. Oh. So six months later, you know, we would walk the canal all the time, the Highline Canal behind our house, take the dogs. Um, by the way, she walk- lives in Colorado, just so you guys know. Do you live in Colorado, Denver? Yeah. So walking the dogs, which of course we would walk Jesse and I would just carry Topo Gigio. And about six months later, we ran it because, you know, you meet people there. And one woman that would, we'd see all the time worked at the Dumb Friends League. And she said to me, oh, Cheryl, there's an Italian greyhound at the Denver, at the Dumb Friends League. And I went, oh. Ah! And I looked up at my husband. He said, absolutely not. We cannot have three dogs. And I said, okay. So he was leaving town the next day. And this is a shelter that's like a kill shelter? They, they will euthanize, yeah. They will, okay. They will euthanize. Um, but, you know, he says, we absolutely cannot have three dogs. And I said, okay. But I knew he was leaving town the next day. So he left town the next day. And While the cat's I, away. I got Guido. Okay. Another Italian name. There you go. Another, well, and we didn't name him. His name was Guido, whoever relinquished him. And he was young. He was about two years old. Okay. So whoever gave him up already had the name Guido. And this poor little dog was so traumatized. I couldn't change his name. But you so kept that, this one, right? Oh, absolutely. That okay. was before we were doing rescue. So I had fallen in love with the breed because they are so adorable. They are so affectionate. They are so smart but they are so annoying. They are incredibly stubborn. They're incredibly high energy. They're incredibly high maintenance. But you know, that whole, that whole, those kind of labeling things though, it's part of like what other people say about every single dog, every single breed. You know what I mean? So it's almost like, that's one of, what's one of my pet peeves when it comes to labeling and limitation, not Mm -hmm. just on the dog side, but on the people side. And we'll talk about the people side in a second. Mm -hmm. But when people say, oh, this dog has high energy and this, that's all of them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We, if we continue to put like, like for me, when I adopted socks, I had no dog experience. And that's why I have this whole thing about labels and limitations. You know, he's a pit bull. You know, I have no experience. He had problems, all these kind of things that kind of made him seem like he was just this horrible creature. Plus the pit bull stigma, which again is just a horrible cre- creature in and of itself. But at the end of the day, they're just dogs. They just need the right, right. stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and they, they are, I mean, they do have idiosyncrasies. I mean, they get cold very easily. You know, they shake when they go, when they go to the vet and all this that's kind just of stuff. physical issues though. Like the I, fact that they're, they're just very fragile. That's just right. Right. But, and I like to say, that's why I fell in love with the breed because I could relate. There you go. That's a good, ooh, they that's a good ha- one. The, the, the dogs and I have a lot of similar characteristics. Mm. So I have a very special heart for them. So and would you say you never get the dog you want? You get the dog you need? I think it's both. I think, I, it's the, the, I think it's that way, to be honest. I think it's the dog that needs me and I need the dog. I mean, that's I need the, them as the, much as they need me. Yeah. I mean, but, because, but you see, the reason why I bring that up, because Cesar Milan says you always get the dog. You, know, you don't get the dog you want. You get the dog you need. And, you know, for me, when I was looking for pit bulls, Mm-hmm. Had I not gotten socks, I wouldn't be here right now. That's true. You know, but I also got the dog, not only the dog that I needed most, but I also got the dog who needed me the most. Right. Right. So you do have a point. Yeah. And I remember one time my mother was so horrified because, you know, and, you know I'm, I was still, I was out here. She was back East. By the time I had like three dogs or, you know, and then a fourth dog, and my mother was so horrified and she's like, she doesn't need, who needs three, you know, three dogs and she doesn't need three dogs. And one of my sisters in a rare moment of, um, you know, clarity said, she doesn't need them. They need her. And the truth was we needed each other. It's a relationship. Yeah. Human it's, dog it's, relationship is just that a relationship. And it's so special. Mm-hmm. It is so special. So how, and did they the rescue, love- how did you get involved with like rescue based on this then? Okay. So that's obviously like a big deal to deal with rescue. Like, I don't know how, I don't know how you guys do it. Well, we don't do it anymore. We did it. We did it for seven years. We were the Colorado. But people that do with rescues rescue. is what I'm talking about. Like, that's just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, how do you, how do you keep your mental sanity when you deal with that stuff? But uh, how did you well, get involved with it? Okay. So at this time, even, you know, when I had my Topo Gijo and got Guido 
shortly after that, I got into physical therapy school. Into physical so, therapy school. Yes. Okay. So the stupid woman who told me that I would never be able to do physical therapy, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you know, I proved her wrong. She also said I was too old for PT school. And of course, apparently I wasn't because I did go to um, got my master's degree in PT and graduated three months shy of my 40th birthday. So at the time, as right before I graduated and I was doing all of these clinical rotations all over Denver, and my last clinical rotation was at a nursing home that was located in the foothills of, um, you know, like it I was working there and we had a, a woman who was just admitted to the nursing home who lived five miles or five hours away, but her family moved her to this nursing home because they lived nearby. And so this woman lost everything that she had. You know, she lost her home, she lost her car, she lost her independence, you know, she lost her community because now she's in a, this new place. And the only thing she could talk about was her dog. And she had a little poodle and her daughter was going to try and find a home for the poodle. And she says, you know, or give it up. And the woman is crying. You know, she's like, I, I, I would rather, you know, put it down, you know, than, than somebody else either mistreat it or what am I going to do? And I mean, the woman's crying. I'm crying. It was just, you know, this horrible, you know, and I said, don't do anything yet. I says, I'll find, I think there's something like a rescue just, you know, this is toward the end of the week. This is probably a Friday. I says, wait, don't do anything. So I spent the weekend. Now think about this. This was before something called the internet. So I spent the weekend like making phone calls, doing research, calling my vet, calling other people. And I found um, an organization called the All Breed Re Rescue Network of Colorado. So they represented over 200 different breeds of dogs. Huh. I called them, I told them the situation and they said, we have somebody, we have somebody who, who does poodle rescue, spe specifically poodles. And ironically enough, as fate would have it, this woman actually lived in Morrison, the little town where the nursing home was located. Wow. So That's she God right up, there. I, I, there's no other way to, to explain it. That's right. She calls me that same day, said, tell me what's going on. So I told her and she said, okay, Andrew and I will come to the nursing home on Monday to see her and meet her and talk to her. And I'm like, okay, who the hell's Andrew? Andrew was her standard poodle. Oh, okay. So yeah, I guess he was the, um, you know, he was the, you know, I don't know, uh, the spokesperson. So I got that call, I went to, you know, to work on Monday and they paged me and they said, you know, this lady, so-and-so, I can't remember her name and Andrew are here. They're looking for you. And this was the most beautiful, beautiful standard poodle I'd ever seen. So I took him to the patient and, you know, talked and stuff. Well, basically this woman swept in you know, took the poodle in, took this, the patient's poodle, found it a home. I mean, it was a happy ending. It was so beautiful. And I just said, oh, when I graduate, which was just a few weeks away, it was like a month or so. When I graduate, I'm going to contact the Italian Greyhound Rescue and I am going to help the Italian Greyhound Rescue person. Well, ended up, there really wasn't an Italian Greyhound rescue person. No. So when I contacted All Breed Rescue and said I wanted to help the Colorado Italian Greyhound rescue, I ended up being it. Ooh. So my poor husband, I'm telling you, this man, he truly is a saint. So he's like, okay, I'm not sure, but you know, so we did we did rescue and we ran the Italian Greyhound rescue out of our home for seven years. Wow. And what made you want to stop? Because we did it, it for seven years. Yeah, I mean, it was enough. And there were other people who were willing to take over. And so we were done. And, you know, we had had, we had over 100 dogs go wow. through our house, not at the same time, of course. And then, of course, we would get dogs that were un, 
adoptable or unlovable, or we had a few dogs that just nobody wanted didn't get adopted. So they lived out lucky dogs the rest of their lives here in our house. And, wow. you know, I took care of them until, until the day they died. I still have, you know, little boxes with their ashes and stuff. So no dog was ever going to come into my house, not knowing that they were worthy and they were loved and that they had value. I even had a little, um, Chinese crested anytime, anytime Allbreed Rescue would get a really weird little dog that they didn't know what to do with. It's like, oh, call Cheryl. She'll, she'll know what to do. By the way, Chinese crested are the ones that are bald, the dogs that don't have hair. In case people don't know what they are. And this little guy, you know, I've only seen one in person. That's it. (laughs) This dog was so geriatric. He was at a shelter. So they called me and I said, sure, I'll go get him. You know, rescued, got him and, and brought them to my house. And a sweet little dog, but very geriatric, no teeth. And I says, well, you know, they says, if nobody claims him in seven days, you know, then obviously I said, well, wait a minute. Well, what's going to happen in seven days? I'm not going to take him back to the shelter. And they said, oh, no, no, we'll euthanize him ourselves. Okay. And it's like, okay, whoa, whoa. I don't think so. Stop, stop right there. I need mm-hmm. to hear a little bit more. Yep. I said, what is wrong with this dog? Well, you know, someone gave him up. Maybe his owner died. Maybe they didn't want him. You know, who knows what happened? I said, okay. So the next day I take little dog to my vet to check him out. He said, there is nothing wrong with this dog, except that he is very geriatric. He said, somebody loved him. Somebody took care of him. And I said, and I will do the same. So I took him home. And I took care of that dog. He was with us for about six months. Okay. And then, of course, he just went downhill and I had to put him down. But he's he's there. He's in my, you know, little space with all the other little boxes. There but you go. And you give him this, a good life. Yeah. He had to know that he was still loved. Yeah. And I loved him to the very end. You know, I took him in and put, you know, I was one held him in my arms. And, you know, he, he had worth. He was worthy. I think one of your things I just noticed just now um, is you kind of have the same, maybe that's why we get along so well is you have the same feeling of me of like labels and limitations. And, and I didn't even realize this until just now, like everything you were talking about is about, you know, for yourself personally and for others. And I find that that's one of the biggest problems um, that we need to figure out how to overcome, not just from a support system. See, so like when I, when I work with people, you know, it's not about the knowledge and the information and the skill set. What I find to be the key is to give people the hope to understand that they have the ability to do what is necessary if they want, if they're willing to do so, to change the way they think, feel, and act. But also from a dog perspective, it's not, um, it's not about, you know, putting labels on the dogs because like I look back and I think I actually did a podcast when I talked about this because I never realized that how I, you know, I mean, you know, you know how God is always, I put everything on God's hands mm-hmm. and stuff. You know, God obviously wanted me to have socks, right? But if I look back, I really, you know, I think the shelter was just irresponsible for letting me take them in the grand scheme <laughs> of things because, you know, n- knowing how a lot of rescues and shelters are, like you give them to a guy who, do- you know, doesn't have a, a backyard, you know, he has no dog experience. He want to give him a pit bull, a troubled one. Are you people nuts? Yeah. But look where we are now, not for me right. personally, but for him. So, you know, had they done that and I, you know, putting limitations on me, not just putting limitations on him, we both overcame the obstacles, massive obstacles right. to get right. there. You know, and like, I find that, you know, with your, like your podcast, for example, you know, the feminine ninja project, your podcast is specifically, at least this is how I, I understand that it, it's specifically for women, empowering women, correct? It kind of is, but it's for men too, because I but didn't you started off as just like an empowerment no. for women. No empowerment for women and men, because men are very important to me for many reasons, but (laughs) (laughs) hope your husband knows about that. (laughs) Yeah, he does. (laughs) Yeah, he really does. And um, it's funny because even after the first weeks of uh, doing martial arts and I was really starting to get my energy back and I was, you know, still struggling with the PTSD, of course, but even my husband noticed, he says, yeah, you know, you look a little bit more like yourself. You look happier, a little bit more confident. And I said, yes, I do. And I says, and you know what the best part is about this martial art thing? And he says, what? And I said, it's a great way to meet men. 
And without missing a beat, he says, whatever makes you happy, honey. So, but, but, so there's a very, I have a very open-minded fellow there. (laughs) Well, and he knows how much I was, you know, how much I was getting out of not only, you know, the, the martial arts, but even, you know, the relationship that I had with Mark, the acupuncturist and how much I liked him and, and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of men, a lot of husbands might not have been quite so, you know, open-minded, but um, I would not be where I am right now if it weren't for the many magnificent men in my life. I mean, without my husband's support sure. and the way the guys at the dojo, they were so- you past your, the, your yeah. comfort zone? Not only that, but then, you know, they, they really tapped into once they figured out how to communicate with me and vice versa, because it's like, this is really weird. Um, it was like they would tap into my feminine side, my femininity, and really use that in my training to help turn me into, you know, a ninja. Wow. And it was really fun. And I would not be here today if it were not for them. Okay. But clearly it's about empowerment. So maybe it's it not is femi- about feminine power, but it's about empowerment, right? Yeah. And yep. so that empowerment, the way that you're, you're describing is clearly about not, number one, not letting, um, you know, letting yourself get labeled, but even more mm-hmm. importantly is about not letting others put labels on you. Exactly. Right? right. And so when it comes to like, how would you talk about somebody or how would you deal with somebody who is either putting limitations on another person for whatever, whatever that, that is, but how would you deal with somebody who's putting limitations and labels on a dog? Oh, you know, that's a really interesting question. Um, my gut instinctive reaction to a question like that is give me the and you dog. You can curse if you have to, don't worry about it. <laughs> I, know, I know that. It's like, give me the dog. You know, just shut up and give me the dog and go away. And a lot of people would, um, you know, call me, I've got this dog, he's really a problem. He does this and this and this and this. And, and oh, and my personal life is just a mess and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, doesn't, and I'm like, I don't do people problems. I don't care what you're going through. Call a therapist. Don't tell me. Give me the dog. Right. And that, see, you know, which see, here, isn't very nice. But that's the thing though. And that's 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 why, as you know, my focus is always on the people because mm-hmm. I always feel like the I always I believe that the people are the ones that are gonna be able to take you see dogs can't take care of themselves. It's our job to do so, and not right. just from a care of like this the basic stuff, but it's the caring of everything, you know, like not beyond the training crap. You know, because you know, if you heard me talk about the trick-or-treaters and the dog training garbage and all that bullshit. Uh, and that's where I start cursing like a sailor. But you know, it's about you know fulfilling a dog's needs, wants, and desires from a dog perspective, basically respecting a dog's dogness, right? So um that's where I I, I had to learn again to kind of like focus on, on you know on the person and be able to become that therapist, you know, from mm-hmm. a personal perspective, because unfortunately. There's a lot of, you know, either rescue people or dog professionals, we'll call them dog professional, even though they deserve the title of douchebags, but they'll put again, limitations on a person and they'll suck out the hope and the support from the dog owners. But the problem is that they're looking to do what's necessary. They just don't have that support system. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it's more than just, you know, you getting a dog, it's more than just providing food and water. There's a lot of other stuff that is involved, but just like we talked about, sometimes that dog is necessary for that person, you know? Mm -hmm. So there has to be like growth on both sides to eventually come together and become like a perfect and have that perfect relationship. Mm -hmm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So, so, you know, the, the, and the reason why I, I personally have like this, this whole, you know, thing in my mind about like limitations and human and otherwise is what I just told you, because I shouldn't be here based on what is reality for most people, but also he possibly wouldn't be here. I mean, he was returned three times, Yeah, you know, at the age of 10 and he was only 10 months old because of all his problems, because people couldn't handle them. But even worse, they weren't willing to learn what to do, or maybe, which I, I, I realized this later on, maybe the people that were trying to fix them were talking to the wrong people who yeah. weren't giving the right, the right stuff. So just like I say, you know, a human dog relationship is that it's a relationship, you know, not everybody's geared towards like helping the, the person and the dogs. I try to focus more on the person. Mm-hmm. you know, more than anything else, if they are willing to work on the dog. But if you're dealing with, like you said, like a, like a situation where they're just, they're not there, 
yeah. your heart goes out to the dogs, which I yeah. get, but I always look at what kind of person are we dealing with? A lot of times people will tell me like homeless people mm-hmm. they have that, that have dogs. Those dogs are happy. They don't really need to be. I've, yep. I've met some of the most well-behaved, well-balanced, fulfilled, happy, homeless people, dogs. Mm-hmm. You'll see them walking off leash. They don't run away. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. sitting and laying down next to their guy. Yep. They never, they, they never went to obedience class and learned the trick-or-treating crap. Yep. You know yep. what I mean? It's because they don't, that's what they need. They don't need fancy shit. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So taking away that dog from that human, you put them into a household where they're going to spoil them to death, but they're spoiling to death without doing the other stuff. Right. Now that dog is behave is, is developing anxiety and fears and aggressions and all sorts of other stuff where before he didn't have anything fancy, but he was in perfect shape. I always tell my husband that when sometimes, you know, when we're driving and you see a homeless person, you know, panhandling or whatever, and there's a dog involved, um, he'll just say, oh, that poor dog and blah, blah, blah. I said, Mike, he's got the best life possible. He's with his person. He is happy. He's got his I said, basic look at needs. them. Yeah. And he's that happy. Guy's walking them too, which most people don't let their dogs walk. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's. It, <laughs> An analogy just popped into my head of even, you know, another nursing home that I, I worked at, actually. It's, it's a long story, but, you know, I was helping to rehab this guy and the, the therapist who was working with him was having issues, you know, couldn't get him to where he wanted to be. So she had me come in on the, the case and, you know, basically the, the guy couldn't transfer himself from a wheelchair to the bed, to the wheelchair to the toilet. And he was only 50 years old. Wow. He was um, had had both legs amputated. He just didn't have the strength in his upper arms. But it was more than that. It was, you know, had to do with the entire sh- shoulder girdle. So I worked with him for about like two weeks and just got him to use the right muscles. And it was fine. And he was able to go home. Independent. Yeah. And as they, they went home and then, of course, the primary therapist had to go with, um, be, you know, to the home visit because they do a home visit evaluation, see what the person needs and stuff. And this guy was over the moon. He was so excited to be going home. He lived with his daughter, who was probably 20 years old. And when they came back from the home evaluation, my friend, my colleague looked at me and said, well, you didn't do him any favors. And I says, what do you mean? And she said, well, he lives in such abject poverty, like a mattress on the floor in this apartment and blah, blah, blah. And I mean, my head was going to explode. Like, who are we to judge? And I just looked at her and I said, Katie, is he happy? And she said, oh, yeah, he's happy. And I says, well, you know, who cares what you think? It's none of your business. None of your business. So. That sums it up right there. Mm-hmm. I can't add anything to it. You're right. And that's, that's, that's why, again, we have to look at why I always tell everybody, you got to like respect the dog's dogness. Dogs don't need the stuff that we think that they need. You know right. what I mean? They need the basic things that are basic, like the, the stuff that you really need to live off of. We unfortunately have become spoiled with all sorts of other crap, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? But, you know, because the thing like I used to live in Sicily for seven years and back in, back then, at least it was a very, very simple, simple, simple world. You know, it was nothing complicated. And to be honest, I sometimes miss those days. Yeah. I miss those days of not having like all this electronic stuff and all the social media platforms and all these <sighs> all the stresses that come with with just life. You know, it's just basic living, working, school, eating, family, playing. Playtime. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Simple stuff. I miss, I miss the rotary phone. I say that all the time. <laughs> if any kids are listening, they're like, what the hell's a rotary phone? I know. I, I, they're Googling, they're Googling it right that now. shit right now. Yeah. Yeah. What is a rotary phone? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I heard of the rotary club. What the hell's a rotary phone? <laughs> Googling that shit right now. I'm telling you. Oh. I'm telling you. All right, Cheryl. So I want you to to uh, to throw out some some of your all your links of everything because I want you guys to get involved. This woman's awesome, guys. So I'll tell them about your books. Tell them about your podcast. All your social links. Follow, subscribe, like all that horse shit that the social media stuff is necessary. Cheryl, give them out there. 
stalk me on social media. Thank you, Pat. Okay, so both books are on Amazon. So you can just go on to Amazon to find them. And just so you um, know, there's going to be links provided in here, but I still want yeah. you to throw them out there for me. Gotcha. And you can go to my website, which is Cheryl I love dot com. And the books are there as well. And if you sign up for my newsletter, you can actually get um, three pre-recorded um, uh, audio tracks that are just take you through some little movement lessons that are based on Feldenkrais, which is a form of neuromuscular re-education, kind of like meditation through movement. Uh, you can go to LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I've got a Femininja project page on Facebook. I've got a Cheryl I Love International page on Facebook. I'm on Twitter, LinkedIn. You can, if you can't, if you if you can't find me, you're not looking, basically. Um, also <laughs> if you go can't to, find her, I'll be pissed. <laughs> there you go. Um, the Femininja Project podcast. I've got, you can go to thefemininjaproject.com. I've got a beautiful website. And you can see Pat's lovely face on it. Um, so yeah, anywhere you can find me. And if you just want to go to my website and send me an email, contact me if you have any questions about anything fitness over 50 how to become a ninja or under 52 for that matter under 50 as well yes there you go don't limit yourself yeah. damn it there you go i actually had a guy one time i was doing a speaking event and he was about 50 and he was buying a copy of my book and i says you know i'll sign it for you or is this for your wife or is it for you and he goes no it's for my 17 year old son so mm -hmm. i took the book back and i said your, your son doesn't want to read this he says i don't care we're going to read it together and I said, why? And he said, well, you know, he's 17. He's an athlete. He has horrible posture. He is constantly being injured. He needs to start working on it. And he needs to start working on it now. And and why like, are you wow. not doing that? You putting limitations on yourself, damn it. I know. Don't do I that know. shit. I know. I got to yell at you at the end. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> no limitations for all ages. Exactly. Okay. So that's basically me in a nutshell. Wow. That's a good stuff. So before, before I, we end this. First and foremost, you got to subscribe because I want you guys to go on YouTube so you can see what she looks like. You got to see what Aww. she looks like. You got to see the energy. You got to get on there so you can see what I'm talking about. Also, Cheryl, before we end this, how do you want to end this with some kind of saying, some kind of powerful message to people when it relates to people, to relates to dogs, combination of the two? How would you let's you, you end with a powerful message? Oh, but no pressure there. Okay, let me think about this for a minute. No thinking, just feel it out and just spit it out. You know, there. basically- curse while you're dead, damn it. All right. So basically what we believe is what we become. What we tell ourselves and what we hear from other people, we eventually believe, even if it goes against our inherent belief system. So the things we hear from society, from the health and wellness experts, from our friends and family, people who are supposed to even be supportive, all of those things, when we hear it, we're taking it in because our brains are always processing. It's like a big computer. And if we hear those labels over and over again, you're not good enough, you're too fat, you're you know, too, too not smart enough, you know, whatever it is, you know, don't listen to it. Don't listen to it because you hear it often enough. So, so when somebody says that, it. what do you tell them? If you tell yourself that. No, if somebody says it to you, what do you tell them? If somebody says what to me, be specific. What you just said. You can't, you can't, you can't. What do you tell them? Well, I would say something that isn't very ladylike, what they could do to themselves that's anatomically impossible. Damn it. So Come on. I'm trying to get it out there towards the end, but it's, you're unbreakable. Well, I wouldn't quite say that, but I, I can bend a lot. I'm flexible. I'm very All bendy. Right. But I would just, I'd probably say, oh, okay, that's your opinion watch me yeah you're classy i guess well i don't know about that but <laughs> that's the message the whole thing yes guys so basically don't you know what we believe is what we become do not let anybody put labels on you and if they try you just give them the heave ho and don't go away. fuck off that's what you tell them thank you so pat saying it for me Tell them to go Tell do them something. Cool, or there, throw some Sicilian in there for you. There you go. <laughs>
towards the end, we throw in some Sicilian right at the end. So that's the message. Is that powerful that's enough? The message. I think it is. Perfect. Oh, I feel like or that. in the final thing is, um, you know, if you want something really powerful, go find yourself a dojo and learn how to beat people up and then go get your nails done. But that's only for the women. We can get what our nails done too. What the hell? I used, to, I used to have manicure nails when I was a financial advisor. Really? Yeah. At one point I did it myself because I just couldn't sit there like, you know, yeah, couldn't do it anymore. So I just did it myself. But my, I, had, I had very shiny fingernails. Oh, well, that's nice. I was a metrosexual or whatever the hell they're called. I think that's what they're called. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, the good old days. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> don't miss that shit at all. But that's besides the point. That's besides the point. All right. So, guys, I told you this woman is the bomb. That's why her last name I love. She is the bomb. So make sure you hit her up. Make sure you subscribe, read her book, listen to her podcast. I'm a special guest on there, one on one of those episodes. Got to check it out. So, Cheryl, it has been an honor and a, pro, a, pl, a pl, I can't even talk. So you're getting all excited, getting all stuttering Jack over here. <laughs> honor. It's been a pleasure as always. I'm so happy that I got you to come on Barking for Balance. You know, I was happy to be on yours, but obviously just listening to you talk about your stuff is just awesome. It's just oh, awesome. It's inspiring. Thank you. Thank you, Pat. It is an honor to be with you. It's an honor to be on your show. And I, of course, don't mind your cursing at all. And I just love talking to you. And I, I think you've done remarkable work, not only you know with yourself, but for other people, for the dogs. You got a great book. You got a great podcast. And I just, I applaud you. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Well, you know, now that we have uh, the virtual platform, we're trying to get out to like the rest of the country and the rest of the world. So a lot of people need help with their dogs. They're getting a lot of wrong information, a lot of bullshit information, and their dogs are suffering for it. So that's why it's Pac-Man to the rescue. That's that's how it works. You know, that's mm-hmm. how it's going to work. So, guys, if you guys have not want to talk, if you have any questions, make sure you hit up those comments. you got all of Cheryl's links. And uh, remember, it's about training people, not training dogs. That's exactly what message that Cheryl's been uh, giving you in there. Notice we're not talking about the dog. We're talking about the human. Get that mind. No limitations. No no labeling. And you tell them to go about fun cool if somebody gives them some more Sicilian there. You tell them to go about fun cool if they give you any shit. And that's that's the bottom line. No limitations. No labels. It's about training people, not training dogs. Cheryl, it's been a pleasure and, uh, and an honor. And uh, thank you guys for joining Barking for Balance. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And you know what? We will catch you next time.